0: Today's scripture reading comes from Romans 8:1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. The word of the Lord.
1: Hey, everyone. It is good to see you all this morning. Um, to see your beautiful faces, you all look very well rested. Um, but I have to say, I really, really missed you. There's something that th- the life and the, the energy of this place really goes down when students are gone. Um, the parking is amazing, um, but uh, we, we really, really uh, missed you. And so we're, we're grateful to have you back in this new semester. Liberty Station, what's up? It's good to see you all. Giving a little shout out to them as they're uh, on live stream But it is good to be here uh, this morning. And I'm excited to start this new semester as we engage into uh, what it means to live a people of one um, as we re enter into the spring semester. And so at the end of this chapel, you're actually going to receive a a schedule, a a little postcard that has our chapel lineup for this year. And I am really, really excited. For all of the speakers, the staff and faculty and the student voices uh, in house who will be speaking in our morning and our timeout chapels, our invited speakers who are coming up. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having our renewal week happening, and uh, we're inviting back Pastor Stuart Williams, who was with us last year on that last Friday. He's going to be with us the whole week uh, from Calgary, Alberta, and we're really excited to have him. He's such a dynamic and energetic preacher, and you can just tell how much he loves Jesus. And loves this place. And so we're excited to have him and welcome him back with us. Um, we're also excited to do something new this semester. Um, we're really excited to partner with ASB as we're going to be launching a mental health focus right after spring break. And so right after spring break, on that Monday, the 11th, we're going to be focusing on mental health, and we'll have different speakers, both in our morning and evening chapels speaking into that topic. And so we're really, really excited to have that partnership with ASB. Um, Also in our community chapels, uh, we're going to be continuing with our our chapel preaching team and adding someone new as well. And so uh, Dr. Mary Paul will also be speaking as a regular voice in in chapel as well as myself. Uh, Melanie Wolf is coming back and helping us out, uh, leading us in a time of of, uh, spiritual practices in the month of February. So we're excited about that. Lauren Carlson will, uh, will continue to be our student voice. In in the spring, so we're excited about that. And then adding to the lineup, Dr. Montague Williams uh, from the School of Theology. He's amazing, good friend of mine. Uh, We know each other from our time in seminary, and he's just a a great friend and just a a dynamic preacher. And we're excited to have him uh, join us in the chapel preaching team. Uh, This semester, we're going to be engaging uh, back into this theme of one, like I mentioned, but through the lens of Romans chapter 12. And this is a chapter that's really rich in understanding what it means to live out this life that is transformed by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to live into the purposes of God, both in our own individual lives and also as the body of Christ to carry out the purposes of God in our world. You know, actually, Romans chapter 12 is a very important passage in my own life. Uh, Weeks before I started my first semester here at Point Loma in 1999, I attended a youth conference in Toronto, Canada. And it was a conference that really, really just changed who I was, really transformed uh, the trajectory of my life. Um, I was excited to, to go on this conference. Uh, this was actually the first time I had actually left uh, um, to the northern border of, uh, of, of the United States and, and gone up that way. I've never been to Canada before. I was going with a lot of friends uh, as well. I heard the hot dogs were amazing in Toronto. I mean, there were just so many cool things that were drawing me to this conference. Um, and so, but, but one of the things in preparation for this conference was reading a book. And there's a book called Global Christianity. It's written by uh, a Nazarene pastor named Bo Castle. And he wrote particularly on the first two verses of this chapter of Romans chapter 12. This idea of what it means to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That worship is so much more than just singing and lifting our hands or just moments in a worship space. That worship is something that happens all the time, in every moment of our life, both public and private. This idea of of understanding what it means to please God in every moment and live a life in victory, and that can only happen through the Spirit's dwelling in our lives. And this, this chapter really changed the whole trajectory of my life, even so that at the end of this conference, I felt a call to ministry and to be a pastor. You know, actually, for a very long time, I grew up as a, as a pastor's kid. I had this reluctance to uh, move into ministry. I had seen the messiness of church life. I had seen the messiness of, of engaging with people and, and and how that related with uh, our lives as a pastoral family at our home. I didn't want anything to do with being a pastor. But after this conference I realized that God was so much greater than I could ever imagine. That God's power was working through me could allow me to do great things and to preach his gospel and to serve him. And so I was excited. And so I remember having these doubts uh, going up to that altar in Toronto, Canada on the very last night. They had asked many of us students who wanted to come up and, and, uh, and who felt a call to ministry. And I felt just, just going back and forth, even in my own seat um, in, that, in the ice rink where, where, where we were. But I remember just feeling so convicted um, by this chapter that I went up forward and, I, and I, uh, someone prayed for me. Romans has this really rich theology. Some theologians describe uh, uh, Romans in such high regard. Actually, I read one theologian that uh, describes the Bible as a wedding ring, and and Romans is the center stone or the jewel. And actually, Romans 8, the, the, the passage that we just read, is actually the gleam in the jewel. This idea that this passage, this book, is something so special. This book describes God's very heart for each and every one of us. God's very purpose for our lives. This idea that Jesus not only died on the cross, but that Jesus also lived a life that we could not live in order that we could live that life. That's good news. That's amazing to understand. This book has really changed the life of the church we could think about, if we look in the, in, in, throughout history, so many leaders have been changed by this book. St. Augustine was converted by reading the book of Romans. John Calvin, Martin Luther, John Wesley, they were changed by reading this book, and so I'm excited for us to journey into reading in, through the book of Romans, particularly in chapter 12. There may be some of us who aren't familiar with Romans at all. Um... It is one of Paul's letters to the Church of Rome. Paul was formerly a Pharisee, one who lived strictly by the laws of Moses. Uh, they were even known to have a sense of superiority over other people. I, that, probably that, that phrase, holier than thou, probably comes, is very descriptive of what the Pharisees were about. They felt like they were the ones who were living out these laws so, so perfectly. And Paul, uh, as a Pharisee, he ends up persecuting the church, those who are believing in Jesus as their Messiah. Then Paul has this radical encounter with the risen Jesus. He's on his way to Damascus, and a blinding light takes him off and, and blinds him, and he has this radical encounter with God, so much so that he is actually called to be the one who will spread the good news to the Gentiles. And so churches start emerging as Paul is moving throughout the Roman Empire and preaching the word of God. And all of these different churches are emerging. And one of those churches is in the church of Rome. And Paul writes in the very end of his life, he's writing to the the Roman church. And he's writing to a divided church. He's he's writing to a group of Jewish believers who believe in Jesus as the Messiah and non-Jews who also believe as Jesus the Messiah, but they have a different understanding of what living out this life really is. The Jews are wanting to impose their laws and their customs on the non-Jews. You need to be circumcised. You can't eat certain things. You have to practice certain things. You have to live under Mosaic law. And there was this tension between this congregation. There was different cultures and backgrounds and different things that were kind of getting in the way of the unity between this church. And so there were conflicts between the Jews and the non-Jews. But then Paul writes to them and tries to help them to understand that the law isn't enough to justify us, that the law isn't enough to make us right with God and right with each other. Actually, he actually says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in the beginning of Romans, he starts pointing out and looking through the history of the Jewish people. That even though the Jewish people had been given the law, they've also uh, fallen into the patterns of sin and brokenness. They were even falling into the, uh, the, the worshiping of idols. They were, fa- they were falling away and not being faithful to God. And so even though the Jews had this sense of like, oh, we have it right, he points out that they haven't done it right at all. That the law wasn't enough. He actually admits himself as a Pharisee that he also lived in sin and brokenness. In Romans chapter 7, he says, I want to do what I do not do. But I hate what I do. Let me read that one more time. For I confess I am unspiritual, sold to slave of sin, and I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but hate what I do. He describes this struggle that is existing between his own life, a living a life living in the flesh and living a life in the spirit. There's many times where I've read that particular verse and I've been like, dude, Paul, you get me. Wow, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. The, the, the patterns of sin that, that have happened in my life, why? Why am I living in certain ways? Why can I not break this cycle? There were many times in my own life where I was looking at these passages, and saying, Oh my goodness, is there any way that I could live a life that is pleasing to God? I think many of us have had that question. Can I live this life? And so many times we go through our lives in our, in our walk with God, but trying to do things through our own strength. Many religions out there have this idea that we want to reach God by the, what we do and moving upward and upward until we can reach God. But the story of God is very different. The story of the gospel is so much different than that. Rather than us moving upwards towards God, it is a God that has moved downward towards us. A God that has sent his very own Son to become flesh, to take on the sinful nature, and to live a life that we couldn't live on our own. To live a life in the Spirit. A life where we allowed the lordship of God to fill and reign our lives. This is the life that the book of Romans describes for us. I think many times when we think about uh, uh, promises that we do not keep or resolutions we do not keep, we always think of New Year. Um, uh, Many times, uh, as you can see, I am in shape, but I am in a round shape. Thank you. And those of you who know me, especially my student leaders who have walked with me over the years, have heard me say somewhere around this time, you know what, this year, I'm going to eat healthy. This year, I'm going to hit the gym and do those crunches. (laughs) See, I don't even know what, I I don't even do exercise, I was doing crunches (laughs) like this, right? I need someone in kinesiology to help me out with that. I'll talk to you later. There's these resolutions that I make. I'm I'm sure many, many times when I told my wife this, she just rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, again, it's going to happen. Because probably by day three or week two, I'm already at Adel's eating my California burrito. And I love it. But I'm also telling myself, that's not what I want to do. The things that I do want to do, I'm not doing, and the things that I, you know, that I don't want to do, I'm actually doing. And many of our times, we try to move and see this life of pleasing God by doing things through our own strength. And this is not just a story of me; it's not this, just the story of Israel; it's the story of humanity. We have all been people who have gone into these cycles of brokenness, of broken promises, of being unfaithful. We have all lived into that. But I also know, and I'm grateful for, the good news that God gives. The very first chapter of Romans begins with, this, with these words in the first chapter, says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That the gospel isn't just mere words that are preached or mere words that we hear. It is power in ways that can change us from the inside out. The gospel, this good news that God came and became flesh and dwelled among us and died and rose again and was victorious so that we can live life in the spirit. That is the gospel and that is the power for us to live in victory. Can I get an amen for that? This is the good news. This is the power that can change. This is the power that has changed many throughout history if they understand that they can live a life by the Spirit. Jesus became what we are so that we could become who he is. When we talk about this idea of being one with Christ, It is this idea that not only Christ can live and dwell in us, but that we can live a life that is Christ-like in our world. A life that reflects who Jesus is. A life that doesn't reflect me, but reflects him. And because what Jesus has done, we are now able to be justified. We are declared righteous by faith. To be forgiven, to be made right with God, to be made right with each other, to be united to one another, to be a family, to be a people of love with each other. This was the message that Paul was trying to convey to the Romans. You don't have to be divided, you don't have to live a life according to the flesh, according to your own strength. But what is available to you through Christ is life through the Spirit, a life in power. This is good news. The scripture says that, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I realize that this is a hard concept for a lot of us to understand. Many of us are very justice-focused, where they, where, where you feel, and this is this is actually me in particular, where like you realize, like no, like what, what I, what you like what you get what you deserve, right? Like if you did something, you're gonna reap what you sow. This idea of God's grace is just so mind-boggling to us sometimes. To think that us who are broken and sinful can be redeemed and restored and made righteous, sometimes isn't something that we truly believe. It's an idea that we repeat to to ourselves, perhaps. It is maybe a concept that we've heard and that we maybe confess, but do we really live it and believe it? I want to tell you this morning... I want to repeat these words from Paul that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That it doesn't matter what your past looked like. It doesn't matter who you think you are. It doesn't matter that you've lived in these cycles of sin and brokenness. That if we can come to Christ And Christ can be the Lord of our lives. And the life of the Spirit can dwell in us. That we could be made righteous. That we could be made worthy. Not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. This is the good news. And so throughout this semester, we will be understanding and walking through what that actually means. As we understand what it means to be transformed to be buried with Christ and raised to him into new life, to understand what it means to love one another in the body of Christ, what it means to love our enemies, what it means to be, have gifts and talents that God has given each and every one of us to use for his purpose and his mission in the world. God wants us to be people who live by the Spirit, I, I love this idea of the dwelling of God's presence living in me, but that's also another hard concept to understand. See, when I think about God's presence, I think about, for example, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, for example, right? Right? The Ark of the Covenant you know it was like this box where we understood that the presence of God was dwelling in this place, and the people of Israel would carry this ark and they would take it through and they would live they would be victorious in battle and and then they created this tabernacle where they understood that the presence of God was there, and we read stories about about priests who had to like you know like go in and, 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 and be be well, with God, in order to not die in, in, in the presence of God. And then we think about the presence of God also dwelling in the, the beautiful temple, right? But we also read in the New Testament that God made his dwelling among us. And we also read that we, each and every one of us, as individuals and as the body of Christ, we are also a dwelling of God's Spirit, that we are the temple that contains and holds the Spirit within us. That's a beautiful thing. That's a gift. And so that we can be people who are filled with God's Spirit with a purpose to be a people who live by the Spirit, to live in freedom, who live in victory. Yesterday, we uh, participated in singing a song. We sang the uh, uh, For All That You Have Done For Us. I was sitting in the front row, and, uh, and so uh, we, were, we were, you know, shoulder to shoulder, right? Um, I couldn't really see what was happening in the background because I was way in the front. I could only see the band. And um, I imagined in my mind how beautiful it was. And when I saw this, I was like, oh yeah, it was really beautiful, right? And it's amazing to see just an image, to see an image of what we could be, of what God has called us to be, to be a unified body, right? Right? That this image, I, I'd love for us, if you could put this back up, I, I, know, I know there are some funny moments in there, but I'd I like, I like for us to, to, to look at that just for a moment. Let's just dwell and just, let's, let's just sit and look at that just for a moment. I want this to be a reminder of what God has called us to be. I know there are many people in this room, and we're all just very different, And we all uh, come from different backgrounds. We all have different stories. But the purpose of God for us is to be one, is to be unified. And just like Paul was addressing this divided church, I believe he's also speaking to the lives of each and every one of us as well. That we could be people who can live in unity, not through our own power, not through our own strength, but through the power of the Spirit. That we could be people who break out of this, the, the cycles of sin, not through our own power, not through our own strength, but through what God has done. And so, this morning, this is a time for us to come before God, to begin this new semester in ways uh, where we prepare ourselves, where we open our hearts to what God has in store for us this semester. I know that God is going to speak powerfully to us. But I also know that we need to be open to hear what God has to say to us. We have to be prepared. We have to be willing to let go of, of our own agendas, of our own thoughts, of our own critiques, to be able to listen to what God has to say to us. I believe God, through this chapter 12 of Romans, can do amazing things in our lives, in our, in our communities. Every Wednesday we have a time for prayer and anointing. And uh, this morning, what, what I'd like for us to do, uh, um, if the, many of you uh, come to the altars asking for prayer if you're feeling sick, but also, I want to open up this time for us um, to prepare ourselves. I know God has already been speaking to some of you already. Some of you have already been uh, moved by the Spirit that, that this is a time for you to Change to be transformed by God's Spirit. And so I want this time also to be a time where we can come to the altar. The, the altar has always signified a place where we meet God. Um, and, and so if, if this is a time where you decide you want to start a new beginning, uh, I invite you to come. If there are needs within our community, if, you, if there are needs within your own life, I invite you to Come. If there are needs that you know from your family members or other people, I invite you to come. This is a time for us to be able to pray. Let us close our eyes and let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, you are welcome in this place. Not just in the space in Brown Chapel, but also in our lives spirit draw us to yourself that we would know what it means to have a life where you dwell in us a life where we do not operate by our own strength and our own ability but a life where your spirit may reign God we thank you for who you are We thank you that you have done the work for us. We thank you, Lord, that through Christ, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We thank you for that good news. We ask, Lord, that this good news may transform who we are, transform our minds and transform our hearts. Help us to think in ways we can understand a little bit more of your purposes in our lives. I pray as, as we gather in this space of worship that the Spirit of the Lord may dwell in this place. We pray, Lord, even for our time in the future in Renewal Week. We pray for Stuart Williams as he's preparing to speak with us. Anoint him with your Spirit. Prepare our hearts to receive what you have in store for us. We pray, Lord, that you speak to us, that you open our hearts, that you shape and mold us, and you lead us in ways where we can do your work among this place here at Point Loma and in our communities and in our world. We thank you for life that you offer through your spirit. May we leave this place wanting more of you. We love you, and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go in peace. The altars are open. You're dismissed.